You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is David. I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. We've got Dominion, guys. Oh, my days. It's amazing. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. So on this week's show, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking a bit about Age of Sigmar because we have got Dominion. So we're going to have a chat about the models, the general overview of some of the major changes in the new core rules. And also we're going to touch upon Path to Glory, which we are all very, very excited about. Um, So that's going to be sort of the main focus this week. Uh, we have also got a brand new top three this week. We want to know your top three ideas for Path to Glory forward slash Crusade, depending on what system you prefer playing. Uh, and we will be reading the community top three picks out towards the end of the show. We do also have our regular news segment as well. So I have a feeling this is going to be a bit of a chunkier than normal hobby updates uh, this week, uh, in particular from your good self, Matt. So why don't we start with you, Jay? What have you been up to this week? Uh, I have been a uh, surprise surprise painting Lumineff Realm Lords. <laughs> um, and also I made a start on um, the Sisters of Battle. Mm. So I picked up a couple of boxes of the new units. I built the High Lord of Terror. Uh, she's really cool in like the um, uh, like it's like a it reminds me a lot of the um, what are those suits in the Matrix where they're fighting in the dark? Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, it's really cool like that. And I'm, you know, I, I really think custodians need suits like this when they go to war as well. I mean, if you look at the stat line of a Paragon War suit, it's pretty, it's pretty much identical to an Adeptus Custodes Terminator. So God knows what a Custodes like battle suit would look like, but I would like to see one. It looks mm-hmm. amazing. So I mean, obviously we're not covering it this week because um, there's there's been delays in the warp and, and stuff getting to us from GW. So we couldn't talk about Sisters of Battle last week, could we? So rather than a full section, what's your kind of like mini sentence long summary of the uh, the Adeptus Sororitas book, Jay? Oh, right. Well, the Crusade's brilliant. So you basically you choose a character in your army um, and she sort of embarks on a, a quest for sainthood. And there's a, a bunch of sort of trials in the book, and there's five or six trials with different objectives in each trial. So a trial of purity, a trial of faith, a trial of martyrdom, trial of suffering. And uh, in your games, you're basically trying to achieve as many of the sort of requirements or prerequisites on each of these trials to collect saint points. Uh, and when you get enough saint points, you gain the saintly reward of that trial. Um, and then if you gain so many saintly rewards, you become a living saint. But there's also mechanics in there when you die, you become a martyr, how it affects the rest of your army. Really, really cool. Um, the new units that have come out, so the, the Celestian Sacrosants, the Paragon Warsuits, the High Lord herself, plus a couple of tweaks to the older ones like Celestine and um, uh, what's the Ephrael Stern, the uh, Demon Feud? Demon Prior, Refuge. yeah. Yeah, the Prior. Um, really, really strong. Uh, you look at the data sheet itself and you think, mm, okay, you know, pretty average. But then the amount of stratagems, buffs, auras, acts of faith, sacred rites, blessings of the uh, faithful that you sort of stack on top of these units and they become powerhouses. Um, it seems to me like there's lots of different builds in the army. Um, and I, I'm a new Sisters of Battle player and I'm sort of like a bit overawed really with the amount of choice that you can mm. that you've got in the army. 
really looking forward to um, playing some games with it, actually. So that's that's my short and sweet review. If you go onto the website, we've got a, a bit more of a comprehensive review on there. And we'll be um, I'll be building them up over the next couple of months and getting some paint on them. So we'll hopefully see them in some battle reports as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to in the hobby this week? So, <laughs> end of last week, a big box appeared. It was Dominion. I- I- I've been locked in a room on the hottest few days of the year, frantically writing nearly 10,000 words about Age of Sigma Dominion. But I also managed to get some paint on some Stormcast Eternals. We um, were eager to do a live battle report on Saturday the day the game goes up for pre-order so uh yeah in the in in the few stolen hours between writing up the review i've been frantically building and painting the stormcast and I'm, i've nearly got the kind of the base coat down the gold i've done a couple of i've been following the heavy metal scheme for their stormcast so essentially paint it gold they do like a soft shade in the shadows and then they use super watered down i think it's rhinox hide mixed with abaddon black and then painted into the recesses to give you a really kind of like stark shadow to it so i'm at that point and then you build it up through the kind of the lighter golds all through to a silver highlight so gold's kind of half done the rest of the colors are base coated just because at the minute they look fine on the on the on the, on the telly for uh battle ready so now once the washes are dry on these it's a case of then highlighting them up and, and going to town on them but we're just keen to make sure that they were usable because we don't want bare plastic on the debut outing do we <laughs> no. but they are they are absolutely gorgeous models now obviously we're going to talk about your half of the box in a bit dave but um it's unbelievable how some of these are push fit models i mean we'll talk about this in the main segment but um yeah if you like Stormcast, or even if you didn't like the old Stormcast, I've been completely turned by these guys. I'm all over them now. <laughs> they are really nice models. I was in awe when I got to to see them the other day. Uh, really, really nice. And like Matt alluded to there, uh, my well, weekend really has been focused on the Cruel Boys. So these are very cool. Some of the best Oryx you can get for Age of Sigmar. I especially like the Killer Boss on Nash Tooth. Um, I'm not quite as far along as Matt is. Um, I didn't get to collect mine until um, a little bit later, um, but I have managed to get them all built. They're all sprayed. They've all at least got some base colours down on them. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, to do my utmost to have them ready for, for Saturday so we can have a, uh, two fully painted armies uh, playing on the stream. Which should, be, excited, uh, which should be really, really exciting. excited, Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, very, very much looking forward to that. And also, I built a Cadian Sergeant for um, <laughs> my, my latest Cadian Shock Troop unit um, because I wanted to get one built for the unboxing video that I did for the uh, Shock Troops upgrade sprue. So um, that's that's um, that's basically where I've been at with the hobby this week. So quite quite a good week so far. Uh, We are going to take a slight pause and we're going to come back with this week's news. So we'll be right back. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, it's no surprise with what we've been painting this week. The big ticket pre-order item this weekend is Dominion. It is retailing at £125, which I've got to tell you is an absolutely billy bargain for what you get in the box. Um, now, obviously, last year with Indomitus, they went super, super quick. They have said they've made an awful lot of these, and I, I, I honestly believe that. <laughs> it's what the demand will be. You know, it, it may go super quickly. They have instigated a queuing system on the Games Workshop website that I believe they trialed last weekend. So mm. I would recommend being there 
a while before 10. So once you're in the website, you can browse around and do what you like. If you try and go on at 10, you're going to have an hour wait. So just bear that in mind. Uh, we've also got the core book up for pre-order. That's £40. Um, if you don't want the miniatures in the box, that's a great option. Obviously, if you if you look at it that way, you're essentially getting all the miniatures for £85 and you get over a 1,000 points in each side. 1,300 in the Stormcast side. So, yeah, that's pretty good value miniatures-wise. Um, obviously, if you've got existing armies and you're not, you know, into the Stormcast or the Crawl Boys, then, yeah, £40 for the core book. There is a limited edition book as well. At time of recording, I don't know how much that is. It ain't going to be cheap, basically. Uh, it does look really nice. Um, I think I'd rather put my money on a Dominion box than a super shiny rule book, but um, I know people do collect such things and they do look really nice. There is some plastic Realmscape uh, scenery. Uh, they, they're, they're labelled as objectives, but I personally, because uh, they're all on different size bases, and I'm a bit OCD about stuff like that. I think coins or tokens work better as objective markers because you're going to have things moving over them, aren't you? And inevitably, with a 3D objective marker, it's just going to get in the way. Yeah. It is However, a bit odd, yeah. That said, though, they are really nice pieces as like bits of scatter scenery or some cool stuff to put on your bases. Mm. Uh, all yeah. themed around the uh, the Dawnbringer Crusades. Mm. So, sorry, Dave, what were you going to say? I, w- I was going to agree on that point about using them on like your big monster bases. I think some of them are, uh, would look really cool on those. Yeah, so so yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, there's also the Gurish Expanse. So this is a set of cardboard tiles, same format as they did for 40k. One set gives you enough board space for 750 and 1,000 point games. Two sets of them gives you enough for... 1,500 and 2,000 point games. You'll notice these are all new game sizes in Age of Sigma as well. Um, so 60 quid for a card playing surface isn't bad. Um, I think a, a, a mouse map material one will probably cost you a little bit more than that. And we used the 40k ones pretty much all last summer, didn't we, for 40k? And they're, they're pretty good, to be fair. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah, they're good. Um, bearing in mind that possibly in the next couple of weeks you might be able to get the very same board bundled in with some of the new Dawnbringer Crusade scenery. So, personally, I'd hold fire for that. Uh, that that said, if you do pick up one of those sets and you pick up the later scenery box, you'll then have enough board space for 2,000-point games. So, yeah, not a bad option to pick one up if you want to maybe start doing some smaller games. Mm-hmm. There is also the General's Handbook 21. So, this has all your match play missions in it. It has, I think it's got 12 new missions plus the new mission pack. Uh, which is probably replicated from the core book, but there may be some subtle changes because of the mission pack format. It also has new war scrolls for all of the generic endless spells. They've all been redone in this edition of the game uh, because some of them work in different ways. So that's pretty cool um, because there's a lot of endless spells that you never saw on the battlefield. So it's quite nice that they've redone all of those. It also has a companion volume in it with the new points values for everything in the game. I would expect major shifts there because the way uh, units are bought has been changed as well. So there's no minimum maximum. There's now this concept of reinforcing. So, yeah, you'll basically get a list of units, how many models are in that unit and points, and then you can reinforce some of those units potentially multiple times if the battle line. So I think that's one everyone's going to want to pick up because I think points are going to change quite a bit in the new edition because things work in different ways. If you're going on a path to glory, they have a path to glory diary. These are in the same format as the 40k crusade ones. 
Warcom says that one book has enough space in it for four uh, Path to Glories. So okay. four armies per book. That's pretty good. Um, I'm going to need about four of them for all my Sigmar armies. <laughs> um, but they're pretty cool. Um, I know in the 40k one, the way it was formatted, uh, because there's a, a, basically a page for your army, then a page for your units, but they printed those alternately through the book, you kind of had some lost pages, really, in the army ones being duplicated. Yeah. I'd yeah. hope if they've printed it, if it's designed for four and they've printed it so there's a front page and then a load of pages, then a quarter and another front page, that'd be really good. I imagine it's going to be the same as the Crusade one, though, where it's the same two pages replicated, but we shall see. The fact that yeah. they've called out four is interesting because that suggests maybe there's four of those pages through it, which is a much better format because it's easier to keep track of everything then, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's also a combat gauge. You know what they are. You love them. A big, chunky metal three-inch marker for doing pile-ins. It's uh, 15 quid, but I'll, I'll, be, I'll be getting one because they're really good. I love them. Compared to like, the plastic ones, the metal ones are a lot more uh, usable in a game, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, I've, I've got a Spruce and Bruise one next to me, so I'll, I'll just continue using that. <laughs> I, I think the, the, the official ones do look nice. Yeah. And finally, we have some new paints. Uruk Flesh, Hobdrot, something... And Throndia Brown, they are the colours designed for painting the uh, Cruel Boys out of Dominion. Um, you've managed to approximate some colours using contrast, haven't you, Dave? But there are some nice new colours they've put out. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, these aren't out yet, so I, I didn't have the choice of using these. But to be honest, Matt, and I'm sure as all of our listeners know, I flipping love contrast. So uh, it was going to be contrast all the way for me. But yeah, these new paints are nice. Yeah. Now... The core rulebook is available for £40. That contains all your lore. It has the core rules and it has the rules for, play, for the three ways of playing. Now, the rules for Age of Sigma have always been free. People were worried that maybe with third edition that wouldn't be the case. But oh no, Warcom yesterday, I think Warcom crashed when they dropped it yesterday. The full core rules, so 40 pages of it, is available for free on Warcom. You don't get the three ways of playing stuff. However, that content is in the general's handbook 21 the kind of match play rules are in there and presumably when the first path to glory expansion comes out the uh crusade called club path to glory that narrative stuff will be in there um I, I reckon it is still worth picking up the physical rule book though i'm a sucker for a big hard rule book to to page through myself but the core rules are all available free so you can learn how to play third edition right now and even get some games in arguably some things might shift around a bit as you know points change but at least you can you can read, read the full you know the full core rules which is cool we've got more news though we've got more news now we had rumors we had rumors a while ago that there was stuff coming for the horus heresy and the inconvenience of um covid had delayed them well we saw a grainy picture over the weekend and it looks like the contents of a new Horus Heresy starter box have leaked. And oh boy, it looks rather tasty. So these are these are potato can pictures, but it looks to be the back of a box because in the bottom corner it says scenery not included. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it contains 30 Mark VI Marines. So they're the beaky Marines. If you're, if you're a fan of Rogue Trader, they are literally the original Space Marines with a beaky helmet. I'm quite partial to these guys. I don't, I don't know about you for, for marks of armour, but yeah, I'm a sucker for a beaky. What about you? Uh, I like uh, the Raven Guard. They're like yeah. well suited for Raven Guard. 
Yeah, I, I like the beaky helmets. So you get 30 of those, you get five Terminators, you get two characters, one in Terminator Armor, one in Power Armor. It's very hard to make out what they are on the image. Obviously, we know that there's a model for Malagurst, the Twisted, coming, but it's it's the picture's so hard to make out if he's in that box. So he does look plastic from what we saw. Remember when we speculated a couple of months ago about what he could be. Yeah. Um, there's also a plastic contemptor, and it looks to be a multi-part plastic contemptor, which... If anyone's built the the old Contemptor, it's a bit action figure, isn't it? I think it's like literally two parts in the same pose with the same weapon loadouts. Um, so a proper multi-part Contemptor is really exciting because, um, yeah, Contemptors race, aren't they? And if it was a plastic kit with the flexibility of the Forge World resin kit, that would be super, super exciting. But that's that, even that is not the big ticket item in the box. It looks to be a plastic Spartan. That's mental. <laughs> it is absolutely bananas crazy. Uh, but obviously they've got the plastic technology now. You know, there's the plastic kits that big coming out. So it's not, you know, out of the realms of possibility that there's a, a plastic Spartan. We'd speculated in the past, could we see plastic rhinos or plastic Mark One Land Raiders? But arguably you've got kits to make do with for that in the Games Workshop range. And if you want the authentic one, you can get it from Forge World. We haven't got a Spartan you can go into a GW store and pick up, and it's got cross-pollination into 40k as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't believe they're including one. Well, if, if I mean, we think this is true. I, I, I can't mean, believe it's, they're this, this picture. This picture's genuine. This picture's definitely genuine. It's whether this is all in the box, but from the fact that it's a scenery not included on the back, you know, this. I, I've got a feeling all this is in there, and it fits yeah. the it fits what we've seen for Indomitus and what we've seen for Dominion. They put a lot of value in these boxes now. I have crunched the numbers. I've got the Horus Heresy books out and worked out that in this box, and obviously it's designed as a, as a battle box. There's um, Imperial Fists versus Ho- um, Sons of Horus on the box, which is cool. You know, me and Jay do those armies, so <laughs> that, that works as well. However, in this you get two HQs. You get three troops, you get two elites, and you get a heavy. You literally get an army in the box, clocking in at 1,230 points before any weapons or upgrades. Add in some weapons and upgrades, buy some rhinos for those um, the tactical squads, add a Primark, you've got a fully legal 2,000 point Horus Heresy army. It's almost as if they planned it that way. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see whether there's a refresh of the rules as well. Now that that is the big big question mark, isn't it? Now, um, obviously the 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 old rules are based on the, you know seventh edition of 40k, and um, you know obviously there's a bit of a bit of a legacy there. Knowing you know knowing the writer who you know very sadly um, passed away a couple of years ago now, and I think that I get maybe there's a feeling that is that a bit you know disrespectful for the legacy to, to move on to you know the, the current 40k rule set would you keep it based on that original rule set <coughs> now personally arguably i think the current edition of the game flows better than seventh i would I, very much like to see horus heresy with the new mechanics and the new simplicity of the new game equally though the old edition did have a lot more granularity and in detail so it, it's whether Obviously, we know we've got the old world coming on, so you could well have a, a simple, easy-to-play get-into-game in Age of Sigmar and 40k. Then you have your more complex, more um, you know, proper historical-style game in Horus Heresy in the old world. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I I've seen some uh, things on on social media uh, where people think they've spied templates and whatnot in that image. So there is a scatter dice in that image. That's a good sign that it's not going to be exactly. Yeah. Personally, I, if they if they brought brought it up in line with the current edition of the game, those nine black books that people have spent eighty pounds on each are now no longer valid. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I would like to see ninth edition rules for it, simply because it's one. You know, it's a bit tricky sometimes to remember that in in heresy you you're rolling strength versus toughness, whereas in well you still are in. Uh, that's a bad comparison, isn't it? Um, weapon skill, I guess, is a is a good one where you're comparing weapon skills to see how you're hitting with your close combat attacks, whereas in ninth edition you just have that flat weapon skill yeah. roll on your data sheet. So there are there are they are completely different games nowadays. Um, so it would be easy to just have to remember one system and maybe they could add a bit of flavor into the Horus Heresy system, you know, some additional rules to, to keep it unique. But then again, the the, the current Horus Heresy rules, they are quite nice. Yeah. Uh, like you say, that extra bit of depth to them. Yeah, because essentially you've got Marines versus Marines. You need the extra bit of detail to stop it from just being, I guess, in, in current 40k, flat fours across the board for everything that you do, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I just think the the idea of uh, pitting a, a force of uh, a, a Startees against like some Eldar or some Orcs or something would be pretty cool. Yeah, but then you've got 40k for that, I guess. You have got 40k for that, but 40k doesn't have Sanguinius, Matt. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, 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 I'll, I'll be picking this up. I, I might use it to start a new Heresy Force because essentially that's an army in the box. I don't think I need to add 1,300 points to my Sons of Horus or my uh, Empress Children and me, me um, White Scars. Are, they, they're not going to be walking around on foot. So that's a disgraceful thought. So <laughs> maybe, maybe some word bearers. What about you? I know you've you've always liked the idea of heresy dave but it's had a big buy-in price hasn't it a hundred pound box essentially containing the entire army might make that a little bit easier to swallow absolutely i i would uh, get on board with this if, if the if the stars aligned um you know when 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 it drops then yeah absolutely i, I think so i'd probably go loyalist don't know who um but um but yeah I, I'd, I'd get on board with that I mean, I guess that's the advantage of this box. Like, unlike something like Dominion, where you may only want to collect one of the armies out of the box, here you can use every model in one army because, yeah. like, say it's just power armor, isn't it? So, it's it's a genius it's a genius idea, and I don't know why they don't do it sooner. I mean, obviously, it's gonna be a bit of a lost leader because they could sell a you could sell a plastic Spartan kit for for, oh, yeah. for quite a bit, couldn't you? But you know, it could just be miniatures, and you buy the rule book separately. But then we've not really seen that in Lord of the Rings is a, is a really good example. That's got a massive miniatures value in it plus the full core rule book so maybe this is a way of getting people playing horus heresy and then 1300 points you're going to want to buy some primarchs and core tanks and your elite units from forge world aren't you absolutely so yeah so that's very very exciting obviously we don't know any details however obviously we've seen a few a few things from forge world with stuff on the very near horizon and we actually got one drop i think around the same day as this which you know obviously some conspiracy theorists would say that uh, they're related uh, argle towel from the the, the word bearers mm. yeah <laughs> so uh, i think last week we were talking about I, I was toying with doing a um a 40k force with some demons and i mean this guy's absolutely gonna have to be a demon prince slash chaos lord isn't he he is he, he's perfect for that job matt and well, you know do you know you who has do. beef with the word bearers, Dave? Who's that? 
The Ultramarines. So that could be uh, your heresy army. That could be, yeah. That's a good shout. Yeah, Kalf. Mm. That sounds. That's a, you've got you've got um, Big Bobby G, haven't you? I do have. Well, the plastic 40k version, but yes, yeah, I do. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, that, that so he's really cool. Uh, I don't know when he's again. It says soon, so maybe maybe when Dominion's out the way, we'll probably do another preview seminar and maybe towards you know going towards Christmas, maybe the big Forge World release will be a Heresy box. So mm-hmm. yeah. I am super duper excited about that. But yeah, that is that is the news this week. It's been a pretty pretty good one, hasn't it? Oof, yeah, that was uh, pretty good. Um, I think we're going to keep it Dominion as we're going to go into our main segment this week and take a dive into that box. We'll be right back. Now, before we delve uh, properly into this segment, it's well worth pointing out at this point that we do have, or, or Matt has very kindly done, a very extensive write-up of the core rules and Demi- the Dominion box over on spruceandbruce.com. I will be putting the link in the description, in the podcast notes even, sorry, um, so that you can check that out. Um, you've also done a video, Matt, which is over on YouTube um, as you sort of go through the contents of Dominion. So we're not going to go really deep into the like a core rules discussion on this week's show because a lot of it is now online however it would be completely wrong of us to not chat about some of the key changes um and specifically kind of dive a little bit deeper into path to glory um so matt do you want to lead us with uh, with an overview of dominion and um, the new uh edition of the game yeah, so like Dave said, if you want to see all the contents in Dominion, I've done a full unboxing and then I've been through the entire rule book. It's a chunky video, it's about an hour and a half, but I go through the entire book, all the miniatures, all the War Scroll cards, so everything that you need is in there. And obviously the reviews clocking in at about nine and a half thousand words. So if I missed anything in there, yeah, I'll slap myself because uh, it's it's fairly in depth. So obviously we've got a few, a few, a few funny one, haven't we? Because this is a two week pre order for Dominion, so we've got probably a couple of weeks on the podcast to talk about it. And like Dave says, the core rules you can read right now, so we're not going to go too much into that. But I thought we'd have a, a general chit chat about the box, talk about our kind of favourite core changes, and then big focus on Path to Glory because not many people have covered Path to Glory, which does surprise me, Dave. Yeah, it does. I mean, <clears throat> we've made no secret that we love Crusade. This is one element of the new edition that we hoped and prayed that they would they would go more into the narrative, and they haven't disappointed. No. So, firstly, um, box-wise, it is exactly the same format as uh, Indomitus. There are some mixed sprues for each faction that I imagine are going to be unique to this box, and then eventually released for uh, mail order, probably at a considerable price. And then there's a number of... Um, individual sprues so the um the new stormcast infantry the praetors the hobgrots the orcs that i forget the name of dave gut rippers the gut rippers, rippers yeah uh, they are all on their own frame so that suggests they'll all be plastic kits that come out um as we had with the scorpet destroyers and the necron warriors and uh the outrider bikes so that's pretty good what one of the things with the praetors is that in the instructions there's actually six different variants of the three models you can build so you can buy a second box of praetors and have six different looking models in the unit which is really good foresight for being able to reuse those multi-part those um push fit kits 
while not having them look a bit because with the uh, in, uh, Indomitus stuff, if you had six Scorpec destroyers, you had uh, two sets of three, wouldn't you? Where with these, yeah. you'll have six different looking Praetors, which is really cool. Um, same with the Stormcast uh, Vindictus. There are multiple different builds, and each model has a helmeted and helmetless head. So with all that variety, again, you can have a couple of squads and have them all look different, which is great. Uh, there's options for standard bearers and without. So I think there's really been a lot of thought into the into the models. I don't know if there's much of that on the on the orc side because obviously I didn't build those. No. So on the orc side, if we take the the gut rippers first of all, um, you can build a, the unit of ten. The only thing that you could change if you were to get another box of these is the champion can alternatively be built as just a normal gut ripper. So um, you could have, if you bought a second box of these, you could build, and you wanted a unit of 20, you could build 10 Gut Rippers without another champion. There's no other options, though. But that's, that's still good, though, because in the past, in the past, you'd have a yeah. unit of 20 with two leaders in it. Yeah. Um, the hard, the Hobgrots, however, slightly different. So you've got, um, you've got your champion, then you've got an alternative build, um, which is also still kind of a, a champion. You might be able to get away with him just being a normal hobgrot and then you've got two different banner bearers that you can build and you've got two musicians as well so in dominion you get two lots of 10 hobgrots and you've got almost a different um what they called when you have like the musician standard and champion like a command yeah so you've got two different lots of command for your two units of 10 hobgrots which was really cool cool awesome and what do you think the models i mean like i said earlier in in the show that these are these are some of the most detailed looking push fit models they've done. Indrasta could well be a standalone model. Now I can't believe Indrasta. That that model is crazy. Like I mean, it's better than the Celestial Prime in my opinion, and, and it comes yeah. in a starter launch box. Oof. And it's push fit, push fit launch yeah. box crazy. model. Yeah, it's it's crazy good. Now I do have a few minor complaints. So the Praetors have a join down the cloak. The cloak's essentially in multiple parts and it pushes together. So even even with filing and putty and glue and all sorts, you are going to have a seam line on those cloaks, which is a shame. Um, and the the Lord, whatever he's called, he is the Griffhound cloak has got a similar problem. And that's a, a side effect to the push fit models. Now, if you've built any of the uh, Underworlds models, there's a few kits where just the way it pushes together, you've, you've got a little bit of a gap, haven't you? Now, you can fix that by cutting off the plug entirely and gluing it, but I wanted to, you know, stay to make sure that, the, you know, the review was, was um, I guess, honest and true. I wanted to build them, as it said in the instructions, without glue, and there were a few gaps in the models. That is a minor criticism, though, because of, you know, across the board... All the Stormcast models I built were, were glorious. Um, you could, if you take a little bit longer than me, and obviously we're in a different situation where it's a case of we've got the box and we need to get the content up. If you, you took a little bit longer and had some green stuff, you could probably fix out those those gaps. But I just thought I'd mention it for a honest and open review. How about your side, Dave? Anything like that? Uh, exactly the same, Matt. So there was a couple where no matter what I did, and I, I tried to take my time to uh, file down and get rid of any little bits of that were left behind from being clipped off um, you I've still had tiny gaps especially on the gut rippers um, some of those were just a tiny little bit frustrating um, 
there were a couple of really clever bits where it was actually where the armor plate on the shoulder was kind of where the join was so you couldn't really notice it but that's not the case for every single model in the box um but for the most part i i can't complain like it, it's like plastic magic and um, the yeah. way these push fit models are, are made nowadays um i think i only had to glue one part and that was one shield onto the arm of one of the gut rippers because no matter what i did i could not get that shield to to go on his arm <laughs> um so i had to i had to use a tiny bit of glue yeah likewise i i did use glue on the praetors where those cloaks join just to try and fuse them together and looking at them like on the table you won't see it but if you kind of bring it close or you're particularly fussy like you even painted it's hidden it a little bit but they are quite noticeable the lines when they're when they're not painted so just something to bear in mind once they're painted they look fine and get some varnish over it it'll be no problem but uh yeah, don't panic if you've got a little gap. The paint will fill it later on. Um, so, yeah, models were brilliant. They went together really easily. Uh, they've been a joy to paint up. Uh, Rules-wise, yeah, obviously I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of all the war scrolls and everything else on the website, but there's some really fun stuff in there. The lore in the book takes you up through to the age, the era of the beast, the age of the, age of the beast. I can't remember how they word it in the book, but essentially Kragnos's return. So that's where we're framed at the minute. Um, going to the kind of the main changes in the core rules, I guess the biggies, unit coherency. Mm-hmm. So this has caused a bit of controversy online. The, I, we kind of expected this from 40k, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I do wonder if going forward, range has changed quite a bit because all the Stormcast in the box have got a range of two, meaning they can fight in two ranks quite well. Mm. You know, we might see FAQs for other armies where you've got spear on models with a bit more reach. Um, Another big change is how command points and command abilities work. So previously, you got command points in you for any kind of uh, battalions that you brought. You could buy some command points at the start of the game. You'd get command points every turn. That has been completely reworked. So when you roll off, whoever wins gets priority, and they can pick who goes first and who goes second. If you go first, you get a command point. If you go second... You get two command points. If your general is alive and on the table, you both get an additional command point. Those command points expire at the end of the battle round, and you both get them at the start of the battle round. So in previous editions of 40k, you could be in a situation where you want to use an auto-pass morale, but you haven't actually got a command point yet because your turn hasn't come round. Where now, you will immediately have a pool of command points at the start of the game, and if you go in second, you'll have more command points than your opponent's. And that's because most of the command points are now reactive ones to give you something more interactive to do in their turn. It's always been a kind of criticism of the I go, you go format of Games Workshop games that the the kind of opponent's a bit passive and other than rolling saves and stuff, they don't really get too involved. Where now there's some great technical moments. So there's obviously I've got more on the on the website, but say if Dave, you move a unit up to nine inches away from my unit I can use a command point to move that unit D6 inches away from them. <laughs> Essentially stopping you from getting that charge. Yeah. It's or, going to be interesting because I think the game's going to be a, a lot more strategic. You're going to have to be thinking a lot, at least initially, because you've got so many options now, whereas previously you didn't have as many options, which is a good thing. Yeah, and and even those of you know, obviously we've only had about maybe a week if that, with the book so far. But um, there's a few other things as well. So with that same strategy, say, Dave, you were moving something up the battlefield that didn't necessarily want to charge, but it got within nine inches of a unit of zombies, I could use that strategy to move the unit of zombies 
D6 inches closer to you. And then if they're within six inches at the start of the combat round, they could pile in without having to charge in your turn. So you, you, you've got to know what you've got to have a little bit of knowledge about what, what you're playing against, really. To... You, you've got to be, yeah, you've got to be yeah. careful with your position. Equally, I could be just off an objective. You could move near to me within within nine inches and I could move D6 inches onto that objective. Mm. So, yeah, that's, it, I think that's going to be really exciting from a tactical point of view. Uh, another example is when you complete a charge. The opposing player can pick a unit within seven or nine inches uh, and then that unit can shoot at the unit that charged. You don't have to pick the unit that got charged to do that, though. So we could see some defensive banks of archers. So your um, ogres, I thought of initially when I read this, when I read this uh, rule in the book, that you could have some big blocks of, um, you know, uruks spread out like we did in the game the other in the other week and then have a unit of lead vultures slightly back behind them who would then be able to unleash a load of firepower into whoever charges your uruks yeah yeah i i i think this is going to be i didn't when i first heard about this i just thought it was the unit was being charged that they could fire but it isn't so you can have a separate unit of a ranged unit slightly behind them or to the side then they get a free shot jay your sentinels are going to love that well, I mean, Sentinels, yeah, you think Sentinels would be great because, yeah, at close range, they do a lot of damage with the bows and also the, the uh, possibility of doing more wounds. But I was thinking, you know, it, it might make pieces of artillery uh, more attractive mm. because, you know, they they do a lot of damage. They get a lot of shots, but sometimes it's hard to get a, a piece of artillery into the action. They're quite static and you can sort of move around them, avoid lines of fire. But if you've got them parked next to a, a block of troops holding an objective, the enemy has to come towards them and then you, you can just yeah. unload them with your artillery. I, I was thinking exactly the same. It's obviously I play a lot of Chaos Armies and Skull Cannons and the um, the burning chariots are a bit fragile to put forward and you kind of don't get the full benefit for them. But like you say, park them on an objective in your, in your, you know, your territory with a unit next to them your the opponent knows that if they take the objective they're going to get the full volley from those artillery pieces mm. in the face and they quite often have a better shooting profile at short range a lot of these artillery mm. pieces um one question i've got for you matt um because there is i find reading through the rules and i have been reading through them there's a lot more there i think than there was in age of sigma 2 like you say you've got all these reactive command abilities um you've got the heroic actions which you'll come on to and the monster actions so there's a lot of options for you at every point in the game now Command abilities, how it's changed how you actually use them. Because at the moment, I have some command points. I keep them going over the turns of the battle. I I can you know use the same command ability multiple times and stack them and things like that. That's all changed now, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So like like I said earlier, that your command points go at the end of the battle round, and then you regenerate new ones in your next turn. So you want to be using your command points. Now there's a few rules to how you can use them. Each unit can only issue one commander phase so you can no longer have your general handing out past battleshock across the battlefield because once he's done a command ability in that phase that's it it's gone each unit can only receive one command ability per phase and each command ability can only be used once per phase so you're so only rerolling one charge you're only rerolling one charge only overwatching one unit yeah. Okay. And obviously, if, if these are command abilities in the same phase, they're going to have to be on different units as well. And from different units. And from different units, yeah. Now, there are a lot more things can issue commands. Um, unit champions can now issue commands to their unit. 
Um, you've got um, your totems, your battle standard bearers, all those cool models now have an 18 inch command range, which is the same as your general. So you can have them. And I think that's the intent. Have your battle standard and your general down different ends of your battle line to put out that full command aura. And then I believe you're off the top of my head, a 12 inch command aura off other heroes, which makes some of the stuff that we saw like the um, one of the twins of Solanesh has got a, a, a rule where she can issue commands to any unit on the battlefield. Yeah. And we might see a few things like that. But, um, yeah, you are going to have to be you're going to have to have your heroes spread out to take advantage of the fact that you're going to need to be putting commands in different places. And again, I quite like that from a tactical point of view. All your pieces need to be working together and it will take a couple of games to get used to that because it is a big it is a big change, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I, I think as well it's going to take a couple of games to get into the swing of what you can do in which phase and which abilities you've already used that phase, so no longer an option. And not just keeping track of what abilities you've used that phase, what abilities your opponents use. You know, your opponents already used the um, Unleash Hell, so you know you, you're safe to charge that other unit of archers on the other side of the table. You need to keep track of that as well. Um, yeah. A lot of sort of, but not bookkeeping so much, but you need to be aware of what exactly what commands have been issued and when yeah i think your uh, war scroll packs with tokens will be invaluable this edition because tokens are going to make things so much easier for managing what's done what yeah um so yeah and i mean i won't go into all the command abilities but there's another really cool one where in your hero phase you can pick a unit and roll a dice for each unit that is dead each model that is dead from that unit and for each six plus you return a model now there's only a one in six chance but in both extremes, that's really good. We've got a unit of 40 zombies. A load of them are dead. You get really lucky. You bring a load of zombies back. On the other extreme, you've got a unit of three Man Crusher Gargans, and they're down to one model. If you can roll two sixes, suddenly both of you know how dangerous a unit of three Gargans can be. Absolutely, yeah. And this is it. This is it's going to make it a valuable resource to know when to use these command points and do you use them all in your opponents to try and hinder their stuff, or do you try on a low chance but you could get lucky to bring back a whole unit yeah there's some really fun stuff there i think it'll take a few games to try and master when best to use them another cool thing that we get in the hero phase are heroic actions. so this is brand spanking you each player and a lot of this stuff is each player in each phase so endless spells move in both players phases and they can now be controlled and yeah so heroic actions you pick a hero to do a heroic action that can be get a command point or unbind a spell or get plus one to wound and plus one save or heal some wounds and then your opponent does the same and that gives a lot more utility to those big awesome characters doesn't it you know we've all had characters that we could do with healing up a little bit or maybe have that once per game plus one wound plus one strength uh, plus one save buff to like matter in an important fight mm. And we've also got something similar added to monsters as well. So when a monster charges in in the um, in the in the charge phase, you've got some monstrous rampages you can do. Now, there's four of these. You can do each of these once per phase. If you've got enough monsters, you can issue them all out. So there's stopping a unit from issuing or receiving commands. We've talked about how important commands are. Being able to shut that down on your opponent's elite unit is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's alternatives like stomp, just do some mortal wounds, or 
add one to hit against a target monster or destroy a piece of defensible terrain or faction terrain, which is something that we've seen in a few war scores going forward. So it gives monsters a lot more to do. On monsters, they now count as five objectives. Uh, uh, Units with a wound value of five or more, such as Colonel Hunters, I believe, and Gorgrunters, now count as two models for the purposes of objectives as well. That's, That's really good. It's really good. Uh, and then quickly, with the objectives you now score before the battle round starts, and sorry, you gain control of them before the battle round starts, and then again at the end of the turn, which means that previously you didn't get them until you moved on to them. So essentially, your first turn was wasted, where both players essentially consolidate and get the objectives that they've already got on the board. Where now, before the game's even started, you control the objectives on your side of the board that you've got units near to. Which means you can go off and charge and do heroic combaty stuff without having to babysit an objective. Yeah, that's really good. Well, we, even only the other week when we were playing Matt, we, we saw that come into play where the first turn, you know, my or- Oryx wanted to get stuck in, but I had to just stay within range of my objectives uh, yeah. and not go up the board too quickly because, you know, I need to start getting those points early doors. So, Which thematically uh, didn't really work no. because they've blatantly already got control of that. There's nothing around them. This is my favourite rule change. I, I remember going to Throne of Skulls tournaments and making this mistake in so many games where I'd I'd move off my objectives in my first turn. And then it, it'd be, oh, what have I done? At the end of the turn when you're tallying up how many objectives you control, like, oh, what a plonker. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's a load of really cool stuff. Now, obviously, the rules are out there, so you guys can read this as well. But that's some of my favourites. Any that you guys have got that I haven't mentioned that you particularly liked? Um, I I tell you one that that I think is is quite a big deal was the um if you I think I, I'm I'm pretty pretty sure I've read this right Matt probably in your review um if you at the beginning of the game deploy your army first you have to go first so made right? a slight error on this one you you if you, if you deploy your army first you get priority but you can't phrase in the rule but the person with priority can choose who takes the first turn uh, so okay. I, I mis- misread that a little bit. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I think um, there's different um, different rules, isn't there, for match playing and narrative in that sense. Yeah. Like, so in, a... in 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 match play, so that in that is a match play rule. In narrative play, so Path to Glory, you roll at the start of turn one to see who gets priority. Yeah. Uh, Which, so to be it... fair, I prefer. Yeah. yeah so, uh... I do as well because there was a there was a lot a big part of list building was aiming for that first turn. And you know, minimising your drops, and that's not so important, especially in the in the sort of narrative games that we'll be playing. So yeah, you don't have to you don't have to really worry about no, maximising exactly. your army. Another quick one as well: battalions are different. War scroll battalions are only uh, was... valid in open play. Yeah. So you can't even use them in 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 uh, narrative play. They're only open play. Um, and there's only a specific battalion um, that is a one drop. All the other ones have different benefits, and you place your models individually, which means you've got to choose between. You, you could easily build your army around a one-drop army. However, it might be worth taking some of those other battalions. You're not going to deploy before your opponent, but you're going to get extra. Uh, the abilities that you unlock in the core battalions are worded in such a way is that they get the benefits once per game. They get the benefits of a command without the command being issued, which means that it frees up your hero to cast it again, and critically, you can use that command a second time, because technically, by the wording of the rules, it hasn't been used. 
I, I was going to mention, uh, obviously, earlier on in this segment, you mentioned about artillery pieces, Jay. There yeah. is actually an artillery corps battalion, which gives you, I think I think you have to have one general and then three artillery pieces. And that gives you the ability once per battle to do the, the Overwatch, or Unleash Hell, isn't it, um, yeah. for free, which is really good. It and is good. It's for free, and the command hasn't been issued. So in the same turn, you could do it again. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got two pieces, they can both they can both unleash hell at that key moment. Yeah. I um I, I like the new battalions. I think it's it's I think I I I can't see many people under in in certain limited circumstances you'd be looking for that one drop. But I think the advantages of the other battalions, the extra enhancements, which are like your artifacts, command traits, extra spells. There's that there's that one that lets all the wizards in your arm in that battalion know an extra spell from a lord. Yeah, so 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 one of the one of the big ones that I think a lot of people will take is a leader and three other heroes, which to be fair, you're gonna have that in most armies, and that's like your character cadre, isn't it? Um that gives you an enhancement. So enhancement is the new third edition word for any of the stuff that you choose at the start of the game. So command abilities, artifacts, spells, uh, prayers, uh, uh, monster traits. The difference in uh, third edition is if you pick the spell one, every wizard in your army gets access to an additional spell from their spell law. They can all have the same one or you can you can pick they can all have different spells. Yeah, that's, that's a massive deal for, for versatility. And there's also some new unique spells in the book as well, like giving a unit fly. The other uh, enhancement you can have is giving every priest in your army an extra prayer. Now, you don't really see many priests. I think you will do in third edition because yeah. there's stuff like giving them the ability to give a friendly unit a ward save, which is the new third edition word for a wound shrug. Hmm. And, so, and you, yeah. you still get you still get so when you build your army you get access to your general gets a command trait you get to pick so, one artifact yeah so 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 when you build your army you get one enhancement from every enhancement list so every wizard gets a spell every priest gets a prayer you get an artifact you get a command trait some of these battalions let you get an additional enhancement and then you pick it from that list which one you want to have so it could be an extra spell for every wizard in that battalion it could be a single extra artifact for a character in your it army it could be an extra triumph when you write yes. your army list you pick your triumph when you're writing the army list you pick it and then whichever army's got the lowest point value you can use that that triumph so if you build your army in such a way that you may be i don't know 150 points under or something and then go, go build your army around having multiple triumphs. You could have essentially every important combat rerolling important stuff. That's an interesting take on that. I like that. Yeah, so there's lots you can do with them. I think there'll be a lot of theory hammer. Obviously, the key bit's the points, which nobody has yet. So it's kind of like trying to work out based on second edition stuff. But yeah, I think there'll be some really interesting stuff in there. Because traditionally in a tournament, you'd pick that kind of stuff at the battlefield, wouldn't you? Where now that is set in your army list makes the beginning of games quicker doesn't it, it yeah it definitely does yeah because it's all on the it's all on the sheet so so yeah now obviously it's a big old book and we've got the whole review up we've got a couple of weeks until it's out so what we're going to do is focus on a different section of it each week now i thought we're thinking about writing this review and we, i was going to start on match play but then i thought without the points we can't really make a qualified judgment on match play because you know, Jay could theory craft his luminous army list, but if the point points change in General's Handbook, it kind of throws it out the window, and the points will change. So I thought for this week, we will talk about the narrative 
part of the uh, triptych of different ways to play, and that is Path to Glory. So this is very much the uh, Age of Sigmar flavoured crusade. It's the same kind of concept. You start off with a small force and over the course of a campaign, you can add additional units. Your units can level up. They could get injured and bad things can happen to them. You get the kind of core rule set in the rule book and then in supplements, so presumably battle tomes. And they've already said that they're going to bring out a series of um, supplement books set in different realms as well with different realm abilities. And that will build up into a big library of content that you can use for Path of Glory, exactly like we've seen with Crusade. And, you know, in the early days of Crusade, we didn't have much to go at, but we still had some really good games where now there's so much Crusade content. You can build some really cool stuff, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be exactly the same here. And I think the big one is going to be when that first supplement, and I assume it's going to be a Gur supplement just because that's where the narrative is set at the minute um, with, you know, rules for beasts and all that kind of stuff. Now, where this is a little bit different to um, 40K is that they've kind of gone an extra step further. And I'd kind of like to see this in 40K as well. It's built around you having a stronghold. So you have got a, a kind of a fortress in a realm somewhere. You pick what realm it is. And obviously you use that corresponding realm supplement eventually to give you additional rules for it. Over the course of the campaign, you're not just building your army, but you're also building your your stronghold so you will get additional um settlements territories outside it that have different effects so maybe you've got some wild lands surrounding your stronghold and that's filled with all kind of monsters and beasts and that means that your guys can capture those beasts and use them as as, as monsters in your army and basically the the rules equivalent to that means that you can take an additional monster in your army because at the start of the game you can only take three heroes a single monster, a single war machine, a single wizard, a single priest, one reinforced unit, and one allied unit. By getting these different territories, you can increase the quotas of stuff you can take. But then there's also some stuff where you could maybe get some dwarven mines and get some, um, you know, resources into your army. Or maybe you've got some decent trade routes going through your territory so you've got decent connections to other cities and i think this is something they can massively expand in the expansions as well and that'll be kind of like a game within a game where you've got a big like map of your your eventual city and all the different territories and how they work you can spend glory on updating those territories as well which is really really fun i'm kind of surprised they've not done this in 40k you could easily do something like that with a a flagship or a planet or something like that yeah yeah so over the course of the crusade as well you can upgrade your stronghold to an imposing stronghold and then a mighty stronghold and that's how they cap the army side because one of the flaws with crusade is in theory you could splurge all your requisition points on being able to have a 5000 point army couldn't you there's no like hard cap on that yeah. in age of sigmar the maximum number of units you can take is intrinsically tied to the size of your stronghold so if you want to increase the size of your army you're going to have to put resources into increasing your stronghold as well which is a really nice way of doing it yeah, I I quite like that. It means you know, like you say, you don't want to rush into having a huge army and getting to be able to pick from a raft of units for your battle. You're, you're going to be more, you're going to have that starting army for a while, uh, which means they're going to be gaining experience as well um, and, and getting better. And, and you're not going to be replacing them dead quickly. 
The yeah. best thing about Crusade is the out of action tests. You <laughs> yeah. get something like that in Path to Glory. There are. So so they've changed it a little bit. Now, there was lots of different charts to roll on. And don't forget they expanded this massively in the in the in the codex supplements and in the crusade supplements, didn't they? Yeah. In the core path to glory, there's a single chart, you roll two D six on the injury chart, you could be killed, critically injured, major injury. Minor injury, no effect, or you'll forge in battle and get 2d6 renown points. But the um, the stuff on here could be stuff like you start the next battle wounded already, or oh, they're, yeah, cool. they're killed completely. You don't really get any negative effects like you get in 40k, which were a hindrance, and you just spent a requisition point two to get rid of them anyway. These are more tangible things like your guy has taken a really bad injury, so he starts the next game with only one or two wounds left on his profile. I wow. think that's more exciting than the you know minus one ballistic skill that you always spent, spent a requisition point to get rid of anyway. Yeah, I mean, we even we even I think jokes was it on last week's show the the show before that when we were going to do our next crusade that we would maybe have a house rule that you couldn't do that. Yeah, you know if you got an injury if you lost an eye you couldn't then before the next battle spend an RP and get rid of it you had to stick with it. We've got a house rule that so um, it's nice that that's already they've already maybe considered yeah that so so that. say if you're an infantry unit and it, and it takes an injury that will be already depleted and you'll have less guys to start the next game with so it's more of a tangible thing that matters in the game and i quite like that and it means that you're not hindered for the rest of the campaign as well because afterwards they're uh they're back to full strength now i suppose the downside is if you're heavily wounded you're probably going to get killed again in the next game but <laughs> yeah. you know there's, there's ways of healing that up now in sigma so i much prefer that likewise the experience one I think it's a single a single chart now. Rather than rolling, which was always a bit random in 40k, you now pick and you get different benefits. And again, this is something that we saw expanded in Crusade where there's loads of different upgrades you can have now, aren't there? But yeah, you, you pick your upgrade. For heroes, it's different. They don't get, you know, plus one to wound, plus one to hit, all that kind of stuff. Because to be fair, heroes are pretty good as it is. Instead... Once a hero gets 15 command points, they unlock a command trait of their own. So, Jay, you've been talking about there's loads of cool command traits and stuff, but you'd never really take them because you can't. Nope. This, that you, you could essentially have every hero in your army by the end of the campaign having their own command traits Ooh. that That's you can pick. Good. That sounds ace. And there's, again, there's generic command traits you can pick out of the book as well, and presumably in other Crusade supplements you'll get them. So, oh, so that just lets you use these things that you've just exactly, never been able yeah. to use. What's also cool. really cool, there's rules in here for using your Path to Glory army during a match play tournament. <laughs> so essentially, you, you build your army list out of the units you've got. You don't use any of the um, the upgrades that you've unlocked. You don't, Basically, you're just using the base army list. Yeah. That means it doesn't hinder your opponent's enjoyment of the game. But you can still achieve your goals. You can get your glory. You can complete your quests and all that kind of cool stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that when I go to I'm gonna go to a tournament because it's not yeah. gonna affect the other person's play, but you'll still be able to continue with your path to glory, which is a really nice way of doing it. Where in um, 40k that wasn't really compatible. In this one, while there are path to glory missions, any mission in the game can be used for path to glory. So you can use the match play missions out of the general's handbook. You can even use the random mission generators out of open play. 
where you roll up a random map, a random objective, a random scenario and, and just go for, say if you had a, you know, I don't know, you had a quick hour to play a game, you can roll up a thousand point battle, but then still have the results count towards your path to glory. It looks like they've taken the best parts of Crusade, sanded off some of the rough edges that didn't maybe work and expanded on it a bit more. Yeah, so, so really, really excited to play this. One of the coolest bits, now obviously in, in Crusade, you had your um, agendas, which was how scenarios worked. But because of that agenda thing, it means that you can't really play a match play game because the agenda is how you get your kind of crusade points and stuff, isn't it? In Path to Glory, instead, there is a series of quests that you can go on. So, you know, obviously you've got your big territory and you're trying to expand it and there's different quests you could go on. So you could go on a quest maybe to search for an endless spell. So, if you go looking in woods or graveyards or in caves, you could find a wild endless spell. Um, and that's something you can achieve over a course of multiple games during the game. You might not, that might cause you to want to maybe sacrifice a unit and not go for the objective of the scenario because they want to do something else. But it means that within the game, you kind of split between trying to complete your quest and trying to complete the mission, which again is more fitting. Say if you, we talked about the, the core battalions, the way you add a battalion in Path to Glory is amazing because in the real world, how would you get a battalion working? You make sure all those troops are working together and being drilled together. So you gain the kind of experience for them to unlock a battalion by having them work together in a series of battles. And then once you've met that prerequisite, you then get the battalion. That's cool. very cool. Very so, and there's, you know, there's other normal ones where you you, I don't know, defeat so many units and get some glory, or you're trying to, say if you want to expand your lands around your stronghold, there's one where your guys are scouting out for fertile lands, and if you end the game with your units within six inches of a different board edges, they scout out after the game and find more areas for you to expand your fortress into. And again, it's one of those where, yes, you want to complete the main objective, but you also want to make sure some of your units are off doing your overarching quest line as well. So it's kind of like, I don't know, like a, a computer game, really, where you've got a second, secret secondaries that you want to try and complete as well as doing the main objective. Yeah, it should make for some interesting games because yeah. Age of Sigmar can be quite a finely tuned competitive game where you've got to be as efficient as you can with your movements and efficient as you can with your combats and, and things like that, lest you lose the game. Whereas here, you've sort of got something else to consider so you may not be making the most efficient choices but neither might your opponent it might open up the game a bit you might see some really cool duels between characters or clashes between units that ordinarily you wouldn't see yeah and my favorite part from these quests it it, is a bit cliche but it builds the narrative like on the website we'll be able to build the story of you know this this battle's ongoing and the mighty uruk attack the luminous but actually the luminous seem a bit sneaky and divert off and they're looking for something else while the orcs are out chasing them Mm. yeah um, so, although, yeah, yeah that, that all sounds really cool. Although I was a bit worried when you said you can only have one wizard in your army. I'm wondering what that's going to mean from a Lumineff where every unit is a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so when you start your Path to Glory, you start off with some territory. So you could pick a territory, an arcane waypoint, where you increase the number of wizards in your, your limit yeah. by one. So, yeah, there's lots of ways you can do that to make sure that your army is um, usable. They've got more... We mentioned earlier that there's more um, points levels to play the game at. 
Path to Glory, you can start either 600 points, 1,000 points, 1,500 points, or 2,000 points. And each of those increments, your starting force has got more territories, more limit size, more glory points to start with. <clears throat> so you can essentially jump the queue a bit. You know, Crusade's sometimes a bit of a slow build. If you wanted to, you could start a 2,000-point Path to Glory where everyone's got a bigger force and already got some territories and stuff. I think I think the sweet spot is probably a thousand points. You you start with a territory, you can have up to eight units, you start with eight glory that you could spend on other upgrades already, but you're not jumping in straight away with a two thousand point force. At the thousand points as well, you're playing on the smaller playing surface, and then naturally as your army gets bigger you'll progress to the bigger board. I think that's probably the sweet spot from what I've seen. Yeah. Sounds sounds about right, I think that, yeah. And all their different sort of Battle plans for the different size yeah. armies. So, so, so no. So the difference with 40k and AOS is that the battle plans are usable on any board size because the uh, the distances between the objectives just increase as you increase or reduce the board. Right. Okay. So you get six Path to Glory missions in the book, with a big shout out that there's going to be lots of supplement packs based in different realms and the battle plans are very different to um to the missions in match play but obviously you can use match play and you can use open play missions if you want to but there's some decent stuff like an ambush so say if you two were playing and the uruks got ambushed by the Lumineth. it could be that dave only has a tiny little nine inch deployment zone in the corner but jay can put his models anywhere on the board hidden in cover because he's going to ambush them as the oryx pass through all right cool uh, there's one where there's there's a watchtower in the center of the board and the defending army basically starts the game kind of entrenched within that watchtower and then the enemy army can deploy anywhere else on the board and they're trying to besiege it so some really cool stuff. Yeah, I I can't, can't wait to give this a go. I I think it sounds even better than than Crusade, and I love Crusade. And um, the difficult thing, Matt, is um you know what what army do I start Path to Glory with first? Well, this uh, is it. This is a difficult now, choice. Now, and obviously we are probably going to get more options in the new battle tomes and in the Crusade Crusade the Path to Glory supplements when they come out. But that said, there's quite a lot of content to get going with in the core rulebook. And, you know, we played a load of games of Crusade just using the core rulebook stuff before it was ever expanded with Pariah, Nexus and um, and the stuff out of the Codexes. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited for this. And to be fair, I can see us playing exclusively Path to Glory when we're not at a tournament or something. Yeah. Yeah. Equally, I can see Games Workshop running Path to Glory tournaments with unique artifacts and unique cool stuff that happens because as a tournament organizer you could write some really fun rule packs for a path to glory focused tournament weekend oh yeah yeah like in the sound of all of that um it sounds really good and i'd be interested to see what um some of our listeners think of the new path to glory stuff please do let us know your thoughts um via our social media or send us an email um, we have actually had um, some um, ideas for our own sort of crusades and path to glory that some some of our listeners have, have, have sent us in. Thank you very much for those. Um, I need to take a real deep dive into those and, and, and pick out um, what, what they've suggested. That's definitely my plan for, 
for this coming weekend once we've got these cruel boys painted. But um, yeah. yeah, thanks well, to um, those who've sent We'll definitely in. be including them in the uh, Tale of Sprues roundup as well at the start of the month for a couple of weeks. So if you keep sending <laughs> your submissions, we've had loads of cool pictures and stuff. So yeah, send them in and we'll include them all on the website. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Oh, I, I really want to play some Age of Sigma, guys. Do we have yeah, to finish the podcast? Can we not just, unfortunately, we not unfortunately, just roll some yeah. dice? Um, no. That's a shame. Um, we are um, sort of over halfway through the podcast now. We do have our top three. That is coming up next. So for this week's top three, we're going to be discussing our top three ideas that we'd like to see implemented into a path to path to glory or crusade um, sort of narrative that we that we might run at some point in the future. Um, we will be also um, reading out your community top three picks towards the end of the show as well. Um, so yeah, let's let's get cracking. So my third choice is very much based around what is going to be my next Crusader army, and that is the Astra Militarum. So my third choice is I would like to see, and it's quite a simple one, but I think it's it's one that would work really well for the guard, and that is the ability to go through your military ranks with your uh, officers. So for example, I might start the Crusade with like a um, a platoon commander who could be like a lieutenant and as the crusade goes on he might go all the way up to like a lord general or something like that um, as the crusade goes on he'll die that's what the guard oh, do well, that, that is what the guard do well as a second part of my third choice obviously with a lot of the crusade content we've seen in uh, the codexes so far they focus on if a unit gains experience it gains rules and stuff I think for the guard what would work even better is if your regiments got additional rules because you know if one little guardsman squad gets like plus one toughness or something you know they're still gonna die they're still guard whereas i think the getting the regiment itself getting additional rules or different agendas and stuff would be would be much cooler as the crusade went on especially if like um you were fighting kind of the same kind of enemies they would get better at fighting that enemy um and and all your units would gain a bonus but what do you guys think yeah that's yeah. cool it's um, not about the guardsmen is it it's about the regiment yeah yeah they get absolutely. like a reputation for certain things yeah because I, the um, life of a guardsman is cheap <laughs> well that's it uh, there's one part of the imperial guard a bit of i don't know if it's still like canon um but there was a bit of law that i used to remember where a regiment would campaign and crusade and fight battles and fight battles, but there'd come a point in time where the surviving members of that regiment, they'd be too old to fight, and they could retire, and they, they were given a world. So the world they fought their sort of last campaign on, they were given to retire on and sort of start farms and things like that. So you could sort of chronicle the entire like journey of a regiment from inception yeah. all the way through to you've got those last few survivors that managed to live through the, the you know, it's very rare that they were they, they were given a will to, to to for themselves, but you know, well, isn't the average the average lifespan of a guardsman fifteen hours or something? I think yes. there's even a book called Fifteen Hours. Um, it's going to be a short crusade yeah. for you then, Dave. Well, yeah. see, see, for my for my for my guard uh, regiment, unfortunately, they had their heroic last battle and destroyed their own planet with nuclear weaponry, <laughs> and then they cloned them all to do it over and over again. Ah, <laughs> oh, the death. <laughs> So is my third choice. Uh, Matt, what is your third choice? So my third choice is the Prophet of the War. So a small clan of or- uh, orcs on a planet 
slowly over the course of the crusade become a galaxy spanning threat from this boy who picks a fight with the knob in, in charge of his squad slowly goes up the ranks to a war boss and then his inspirational wire draws all the other greenskins to him and he unleashes a mighty army to to destroy the worlds and cover everything in a green threat that i think that'd be really fun and have some rivalries between the different aspects of it so i I can picture having some beast snaggers and some evil sons and they're all they're all under the 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 kind of influence of this uh this this uh inspirational leader but they all hate each other and behind his back they're all picking fights and there's always the ambitious one that maybe wants to take out the warlord as well i'd like to see matt with an orc crusade army that's got an animosity table so before every yeah, game, you I, have to I roll do, on the animosity it table. Even if it's not, I'm putting it in there, Dave. <laughs> you roll a one for every unit. <laughs> That's a really good idea. I, I had a very similar thought when I was thinking for Path to Glory. Do I have like um, a mega boss or a killer boss who's bringing together all these different orocs to make a big war so that by the end of the Path to Glory, I've got all these orocs to call upon uh, and, and Kragnos, I might get you know the attention of this big oracle army that's going on so that you could maybe come in towards the end of the campaign um, and help them out so um yeah it's really cool really good idea uh, jay what is your third choice so my third choice is jumping on the path to glory uh, train that, that has just ridden through the spruce and bruise headquarters um so at the moment i mean what we've got is like it's not basic by any stretch but it's it's generic it's just in the cool but there's no sort of um faction specific path to glory elements yet but as we saw with crusade they were added when the codexes came out and I, 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 we're going to see this in battle tomes or at least in expansions it's which are pretty variety. clear in the core book that there is lots more coming for this yeah so you've got this sort of idea of of settlements and the different kinds of um, improvements you can make to your settlements as you expand it uh, and the different kind of quests that those sort of expansions into your settlement uh, give you uh, or what quest you might want to achieve to sort of expand the settlement. So I'm thinking, well, Lumineth is where I'm going to be making my path to glory to start with. I'm just it's, I'm just going to keep going with the Lumineth. I'm really enjoying them at the moment. Um, but I, I, I'd love to see some Lumineth sort of flavoured, themed um, settlement expansions like Towers of Arcane Knowledge and um, uh, Venari Barracks uh, and things like that. Uh, which give you Lumineth specific bonuses. So, you know, potentially like your Tower of Learning may increase your spellcasting capabilities in some way or give you access to extra artifacts of power and things like this. Um, I I mean, I think it's going to be a while before we see anything like that for Lumineth. But I think once we've got a few games under our belt, I'm going to try and house rule things like that. Just to mix the first couple of battle tomes. I, I very much feel that's the kind of stuff that we'll see upgrades you could take instead of the generic ones that have a that synergize with your army and and have they capture the feel of your army and the same with the um the realm expansions as well we could see a haish expansion that has some lumineth flavored stuff that you can do even yeah. if you're not a lumineth yeah yeah i definitely could see like them doing that elemental temples and things like yeah. this it would mean that you would be having a new Lumineth uh, battle tome at some point in the near future. Again, Jay. Hey, as a Lumineth player, you expect course. We're around to our second choices. So my second choice, I think, is quite an obvious one. And I would be very surprised if Matt hasn't got this on his list. So I would like to see the return of Anvil of Apotheosis. Ooh. Because I think 
After Glory, it's going to... You mentioned, obviously, heroes aren't going to be able to kind of gain experience in the same way that your Unisuzu game command traits. I would like to really see customization on heroes blown wide open. So, um, as a as an example, say, for example, I started this Path to Glory with my Oryx, and I had a mega boss, and he's running around on foot, punching things. As he kind of goes into battle and plays games... Maybe he eventually unlocks a quest to go and tame a more crusher. He goes and does that, and now he's got a more crusher to stomp around on. Um, yeah. You know, getting mounts, getting additional equipment and stuff. Um, I would really like to see hero customization blown wide open and to bring back the anvil um, in some shape or form. Yeah, I, I'd very much like each book that comes out to have an anvil of apotheosis page where you can build a generic hero for your path to glory. And then we've seen it in 40k, presumably some some stuff that lets them move up the ranks or change into different unit types. So, yeah, something like that. I think we will see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, your second choice. My second choice is the word bearers fall to damnation. <laughs> so a word bearer legion uh, army warband, I guess, they're more fractured than they were during the heresy. But um, they've made some they've made some poor life choices, and this is by the standards of the Chaos Space Marines. And the army is slowly falling to the sway of the ruinous powers. And over the course of the campaign, I'd like to see those units get more corrupted. So you start off with a unit of um, Chaos Space Marines who maybe become possessed. And then maybe if they're really unlucky, become a unit of spawns. You could see your mighty uh, Chaos Lord ascending to the ranks of a demon prince or just sent into the ether by the, the forces of Chaos. I, again, like like your one, Dave, I think this is one that's probably more likely to, to be seen in a new Chaos Space Marine book. But mm. like we said, until then, we can house rule stuff, we can throw stuff together, we can tweak it if it doesn't work so much. But I would like to see that. Um, essentially, I want my Chaos Space Marines to slowly become demons. That sounds like a I mean, really... What... Sorry, Dave, carry on, dude. I, I was just going to say, it sounds like a really cool idea. And you could, you could, could, it's plausible. <laughs> yeah. I find th- things like that, Matt, look back through older editions of codexes, the oldest Space Marine codexes, the oldest Chaos Space Marine codexes from third edition. They had all sorts of tables for mutations and gifts and boons yeah. and path to godhood and damnation and things that you could sort of work into ninth edition 40k, your user's inspiration, certainly. Yeah, I, I think I might. Uh, if we don't get a Chaos Space Marine book soon, I'm certainly going to try and draft something together that we can do, you know, for funsies in our Crusade games. Well, uh, Jay, your second choice. Uh, so my second choice sort of takes inspiration from uh, the recent Drukari Crusade content we saw, but I, I'd like to apply some of that to uh, Age Sigma Path to Glory. So, you know, we're building these settlements, we're expanding them. Wouldn't it be cool if we could attack other players' settlements and mm. raid other players' settlements or raise the buildings or steal things from them, interact in some way with other people's um, Path to Glory campaigns? Uh, rather than just playing on your isolate your own your, you know with your own army in like a little bubble um i think that'd be cool so on the Drukari side for those people who don't know you 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 would you would be able to um the Drukari would uh, claim um territories in Comora um as part of their sort of crusade mechanic but you could you could steal and attack other Drukari players um territories and add them to your own crusade and things like that um so I'd like to see that in there, Path to Glory, myself. Yeah, now I do wonder 
if that's what the outpost thing will be, because that could well be an outpost in other people's territories, maybe. Yeah. And then you do raids from them on people's defences, you know, and then there could be upgrades where you build walls and fortifications in the back of the core rule book there are siege rules so you could then have battles to represent these two armies coming together yeah i think that's a really good shout jay assassination attempts on other people's heroes yeah um, so then you play missions to try and retrieve them or rescue them or and again with with being able to use open play and match play games within path to glory we could just create these ourselves can't we yeah <laughs> yeah I think that actually, Jay, ties very nicely into my top choice. So obviously we've got all these like battles for territories and stuff going on in our heads um, of what it might look like, what your stronghold might look like as it grows. It would be so cool if we had some kind of physical manifestation of what is going on with these battles mm. between the strongholds in some kind of map-based system. Um, so we, we've had different iterations of these um, over the years. <laughs> um, more recently we had... Was it Firescape? Not Firescape. Firestorm. Firestorm. Which was, which was a, a map um, that Games Workshop put out, and you had reusable stickers where you were grabbing territories and stuff. And um, that's really cool. But I think the best thing they ever did, and I really wish I bought into it, was Mighty Empires, yeah. which was a tile-based system which you could reuse, you could paint up, you could um, put it together into like to different islands and stuff. Um, I saw some really cool examples in Games Workshop stores. I think our local store manager, Dan, he had one that was wall-mounted and he had all different people that were playing in the store capturing um, territories, you know, working with the Grand Alliances. Um, and you had little flags that you could put in to show what territories. And Jay, you were talking about fighting other people for territories. Well, it made sense in that because um, that might unlock another part of the map that you could go on to then attack. You know, it was all very like a bit like civilization and how you kind yeah. of capturing these hexes. Um, I would really like to see something like that come back. Now, obviously, one of the reasons they probably went away from something like that and went towards a, a, a mat with reusable stickers is all down to cost, obviously. It's, it's much cheaper to produce um, a, a reusable sheet of paper and, and stickers rather than physical plastic little hex squares. But I think if they did something like that again and, and introduced like a Path to Glory supplement to go with it, people would buy we would buy that well you see we currently currently it. you can have a in the biggest stronghold in the game which is a mighty stronghold you can currently have nine territories so you could easily have a smaller scale board with your stronghold in the middle and then have modular tiles that you can swap in and out to represent your different territories that you own heck we could make that ourselves i know jay you've been talking about having some kind of physical representation of your stronghold and territories yeah yeah, that's it. You can get some. Um, they were hex tiles, weren't they, Dave? Mm, yeah. You know, you can get some um, MDF or or or, or cheap uh, wooden um, uh, panels that you can cut these hexes out on. Uh, and then, I mean, geez, you can use all sorts of bits on sprues that you've not used, helmets, you know, game pieces, anything really to to build walls and fortresses and things like that. Yeah, and you know, t- 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 nine territories plus your stronghold at the maximum size, you could you could easily build that as a nice, aesthetically pleasing thing. You have four hex tiles along the centre, and then three above it and three below it. That gives you your ten tiles, and then obviously make it in such a way that you can change them if you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it would be nice to have some sort of vis- visible 
representation of what you're building up rather than just because I know I, I, you showed me in the core rulebook Matt, where you've got a page where you write down like how big your stronghold is and stuff. That's cool, but it'd be better to just see it there and you'd be able to like you know look at the size of my stronghold. That's that's really yeah. cool. Definitely my top choice. Uh, Matt, what is your top choice? So my top choice, we're going to the Age of Sigma. We're going to the Path to Glory with Marathi's Zoo. So this would be a Cities of Sigma Path to Glory based around the the army of Harkuron, the the, the city formerly known as Amvalgard that was um, annexed by Marathi during the uh, the Broken Realm series. Now Marathi's got quite a few kind of beasties and monsters within her, her ranks. There's black dragons, there's Charybdises and Hydras and all sorts of weird creatures. So I picture this being a a kind of like patrol force from Harkuron who have set up a city within Gur. And these are beastmasters. They go out and capture the different monsters and beasties to ship back in the Black Arks back to Harkuron to to build the uh the yeah, the, the zoo of Marathi for using her battles. So obviously this would be very focused on trying to get those territories where the monsters live. Perhaps do some special missions where they Maybe your your Uruk Dave, who's got his Moor Crusher, they get ambushed by the uh, the Dark Elf army, and they are trying to take that Moor Crusher back to their master. Hmm. Yeah, I think some cool stuff. And I've got I've literally got the models in boxes on <laughs> the desk to do this as well. So I think I might put together a little Dark Elf army. If you know, if there's, there's Lumineth going around, we need some balance in the force here, don't we? <laughs> if if you were to capture one of my more crushes, Matt, I'd forget all about JB in the campaign, and it'd be all about getting my more crusher back. <laughs> Absolutely. Nah, so, that's yeah, a really good idea. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that's a really really good idea. Uh, Jabe, would you like to finish us off with your top choice? Yeah, my top choice. So, I, I've recently been flicking through the pages of the um, Adepta Sororitas Codex, um, and I'm really looking forward to getting started with the uh, Sisters of Battle. They've got some really cool units in their army, which has sort of got me thinking again about the Adeptus Custodes. So I love the Adeptus Custodes. I've got quite a big army of Adeptus Custodes, uh, and I'm, I'm sort of getting the itch to start adding a few more units to them, some of the forge wheels units and things like that. Uh, now, I, I remember seeing on a on a shipping manifest ages ago some Talons of the Emperor Codex or Adeptus Custodes version 2 Codex, but we've not seen any evidence of it so far. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to have to wait until I can start an Adeptus Custodes Crusade. Um, the Adeptus Custodes are sort of renowned for each one of them of the 10,000 is, you know, a, a, an army's worth of, of warrior and, and bodyguard. And um, they are incredible warriors, like the epitome of mankind's sort of fighting prowess. Um, and you're talking about like chronicling uh, um, the journey of an Imperial Guard regiment, Dave, as they battle across the galaxy. But you could equally write a whole sort of um, tomb on, on, on a single custodian um, waging war through the galaxy uh, and they inscribe that every time they achieve something worthy they, they inscribe a new name on the inside of their armor so some of the like legendary custodians like Trajan Valoris or um, Valdor uh, they've got like thousands of names they're running out of room on the inside of their armor to inscribe all these names and I think that would be sort of like one of the main mechanics of a custodian's crusade um collecting names but not just for your characters like i say each each custodian in their own right is 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 a hundred times you know uh more, more with more than a hundred hundred men uh, fighting men 
Um, so I would like to see individual custodian models in the army sort of gain extra names and, and build up sort of like a, a legend of their own. Um, so rather than, you know, units taken out of action tests and, and collecting experience, I'd like to see models in a custodian army collect experience. Yeah, that's, cool. that's kind of like the opposite of Dave's vibe of the for the good of the army and yeah. you know, all the, the, the individual kind of heroics of the guardsmen. Nobody cares about it. It's all about the regiment where with the custodies, it's different, isn't it? It's not about the fighting force each of these individual guys and each individual squad is a hero of their own right and yeah you're right that'd be really cool to see represented in the uh, crusade stuff yeah because i mean a custodian army generally doesn't have many units on the board so you if you get in a regular sort of battle trait or upgrade for a unit you're only going to get one two three four of them littered across your army whereas someone like the imperial guard where you've got like 15 units on the board dave you're going to have lots of these sort of upgrades across your army um so so it'd be cool to see like you know i take a unit of free custodian guard as a troops choice but each one of those custodian guard has their own story to tell you know that that model there was able to slay a hive tyrant in combat so he gets he gets an upgrade or a new name to represent the fact that he's achieved that um and that sort of gives you a bit of utility in each of your custodian guard squads which you might not ordinarily have um and and yeah it does play into that sort of uh, the theme of the adeptus custodians being like individual lions on the battlefield rather than a squad of fighting uh like a unit see i can only i can only, I can only foresee one problem with this jay your, <laughs> uh, your crusade book you're gonna have to leave a couple of pages free after each unit choice just so you can make sure you fit the full <laughs> name in there <laughs> you're right there <laughs> no you probably don't have to worry about that Matt. i can't the way i roll i can't see many <laughs> cool they are obviously our top three choices we do have one final segment of the podcast left it's time to read out the community picks, and that's coming up next. So, Matt, what ideas for Path to Glory and Crusade games have our community had? Well, we've had some really cool ones. Anonymous Rex has gone number three. For Chaos Faction, it'd be nice to get some customizable Lord Sprues to swap bits out as you play. By bits, I assume it means like arms and tentacles and stuff. Um, number two, a favourite system for Imperial Guard players where they can call in a small unit from another Imperial Faction for one game in exchange for favours earned during the campaign. That's quite cool. You know what? We could write something like that. Like the in Necromunda where you can call for assistance from you know, Lord Helmore, but, you know, the Imperium's a big place and maybe the Imperium doesn't care about the the guard unit on some backwater in the middle of nowhere and refuse to send anybody. Uh, And then number one, a region map for Crusade so you can have a conquest-style game where the deployment ties into the area you're attacking, similar to the campaign buffs if held by a faction similar to Necromunda. I think that's very similar to what we were just discussing there with yeah. shifting the kind of territory thing from uh, Path to Glory to uh, to Crusade. Yeah. In Morton Joe, there's a lot of admin, but the ability to keep adding names and traits to custodians as you progress, allowing for the insane prowess to show. Yeah. Uh, Demon feuds. Alter your demonic host bonuses depending on how many of the god-specific demons you have and rivalry between them. That's a really good idea for my word bearers as well. You could have 
a word bearer army, but within that army, you've got allegiances to different gods and a bit of an animosity. I just like animosity charts, don't I? <laughs> and um, number one, inquisitorial retinue, the ability to make and grow a cadre of ne'er-do-wells that accompany an inquisitor, kind of like Gaunt's ghosts. They all have their own shtick. That sounds like a really good idea as well. I, I, I did see these on, on and I think that's a really good idea, especially if, if I can build in the guard army. If I've got a little sub crusade within like my inquisitor and building up like a little retinue that'd be ace yeah uh pete allison says uh admech exploratory fleet exploring lost systems for stc fragments oh yeah <laughs> uh cities of sigmar force establishing a new city in the name of sigmar and needing to steal materials to build it that sounds a bit like the Dawnbringer crusades that i hope we see as a battle tome and <laughs> dragon ogres out for vengeance against sigmar for kicking them out of his ear that sounds really cool as well uh and pete's got a fourth one but it's top secret because he's working on it at the moment. Oh, well, I hope you send us the details of that, Pete, when you can share it. Yeah. Uh, the Nevermore. I really hope you'll be able to grow your slaves to darkness warlord from a lowly raider to an actual demon prince. My other plan to be Ankir the Traveller reclaiming Necrons from fallen tomb worlds and a cruel boy's boss growing a big war army. Darren Winter would like to see an old school style Chaos Warband. So that's very much like what Jay was saying early with the, the various D1000 charts I think we had in the Lost and the Damned. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Astra Militar and Platoon behind enemy lines and a Bray Herd war raiding party. See, I've, I've, had, I've had whisperings from the Beastmen as well because I think they could be pretty cool. Uh, and then Andy Wood says an Uruk War, a Tyranid Hive fleet invading a system. And a Death Guard army slowly corrupting a system over time. That sounds really cool as well. Loads of really cool ideas. I just want to make a load of Crusade armies and roll some dice now. Yeah, I, I definitely definitely feel on that vibe as well. Uh, Matt, what is next week's top three? So next week, obviously, we're going to be talking about the match play side of uh, Age of Sigmar. And hopefully by then we'll have our hands on the points values in the new General's Handbook. So next week, we want to know, based on the changes that you've seen so far in the rule book, and hopefully by the time we come to pick this next week, there might be some idea of points values. What units do you want to take in your third edition armies? Excellent. So you can get your choices in early via social media um, at Spruce and Brews over on Twitter or Facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews. Um, alternatively, we will be putting a post out either on the Sunday or on Monday before we record. You can simply just reply to that and um, give us your your uh, your choices. Well, that brings us to the end of another week's episode. Matt, we've still got well, maybe not you so much, but we've still got quite a bit of painting to do. <laughs> I'm still painting to do. There's there's models on the table. Uh, well, I've got I've got plenty to be painting, but hopefully by the time we come to record next week, I'll have a fully painted cruel boys uh, well at least the, the half from dominion uh all fully painted and based yeah that's all the goal going well this weekend we'll be doing a live battle the cruel boys out of dominion versus the stormcast in dominion so after you've ordered your own copy you'll be able to sit back and watch us play through our first path to glory campaign so make sure you keep an eye on our social media because all details about timings um, will be over on there uh, and you'll also be able to watch it both on twitch and youtube so um, whichever you favour, you'll still be able to watch the game. 
until next week, gentlemen, that's the end of this week's podcast. Have a great week at Hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruesandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruesandbrews.